A beaver and a purple dinosaur are born as fans of Cobain, Nixon, and Jackie O mourn. Gallon of gas costs about a dollar. Movies are about four bucks. In living color, and Arsenio roo, 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 run out of luck. Hell officially freezes over with the Eagles' return as OJ hops in a Bronco and runs. Forrest is teaching the world about chocolate, and Texas has two champions, the mighty Cowboys, hell yeah, and the surprising Rockets. Yes, people, we are talking all things 1994 here on Growing Up Rock. Now, crank it up. Sonny, do you have the slightest clue as to where you were in 1994? I do. Um, Let's see. So 1994 puts me at 24 years old, about to turn 25. And I was working, uh, I was working at El Cerrito, California. I met Nicole that year. Well, I met Nicole the year before we started going out that year. Sweet. Yeah. And so why is she still with you then if you started going out way back then? Well, she absolutely hated me the first minute that she met me. It took me a year and a half to uh, fix it. I always took her for a smart girl, yet she's still with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, all of us have things that got to improve on, I guess. <laughs> I was a virtual nomad combing these fine lands of all the world as I packed my suitcases and went from city to city in my tour management glory in 1994. And uh, I have some fun things to share a little bit later on. Uh, But before we get into all things 1994, you know we like to start these episodes off with a little crank me up. Crank me up! It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right. So today's Crank It Up Spotlight is all about the band Cherise Lane or Shiraz Lane, however you might pronounce that. These guys are going to be on the Monsters of Rock cruise. At first, I didn't really dig a lot of the stuff I was listening to, but I started spending a little bit more time with it, and they just released this new EP that I think is pretty cool. And I'm starting to get into it a little bit more. So I'm sort of looking forward to seeing these guys now. These guys were formed in 2011 in Finland. And they kind of state that their influences are Guns N' Roses, Skid Row, Aerosmith, Michael Jackson, which is interesting, The Darkness, a little bit of funk, and a little bit of metal. So they have a kind of a hodgepodge of sound going on, and they're not just a straight-up hard rock band. So they're a little bit interesting, and I'm finding that a little bit interesting. Uh, So check out this new song off their EP they just released called Vibration One. This is a song called Keep It Alive. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a pretty good song. That that just came out like a week ago. Yeah, like literally last week. So, and the EP is pretty good. Like it has some interesting stuff on there. Like I said, they're not just a straight up hard rock band. From everybody that's been talking on the post for the Monsters of Rock cruise, they say don't miss this band. They say they're really really good live. So they're one of the bands that I'm kind of looking forward to and. One of the approaches I take to Monsters of Rock is trying to see these bands that you're pretty much not going to see in the States. And Shiraz Lane, Cherise Lane is one of those bands because, you know, they're from Finland. They're a European band. They're not going to play over here in the States unless it's something like this Monsters of Rock cruise. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we're going to be surprised again with the European bands with the amount of just talent and competition there is in Europe. I don't think we've seen a European band yet that let us down live. It's like they got their chops pretty good because they almost have to have it that way. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So it's time to get into this episode. But but (laughs) before we get into this episode, I really need to get a few things off my chest. Uh, And they've been sitting with me this past week, and I just... I can't hold it in anymore, buddy. So I got to rant a little bit. Is that all right with you? Uh, I'm assuming I can't talk you out of it. Uh, Probably not. I've had a couple of drinks. It's late on a Friday night. The wife's not home. So no, you can't talk me out of it. (laughs) Uh, So uh, listeners, I'm just going to warn you. He's three ounces in. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Stephen Michael do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Sunny Hollywood Pony or the Grown Up Rock podcast. Assumptions made by Stephen's analysis are not always correct. And since we are all just human beings, please forget everything said and forgive him. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> if you've ever seen The Irishman, it is what it is. <laughs> Tell him it is what it is. Yeah. So here's the thing. I go on social media basically to keep up with friends and family and to keep my head in the music game with everything, all the new bands, things like that that's going on. And so that's kind of what I go to social media, obviously to promote the show and uh, let people know we got new uh, episodes and stuff like that. And if we find things along the way, I like to share those. We'll be sharing plenty of Monsters of Rock cruise stuff from the ship while we're while we're out to sea. But the point is, is that we always try to, you know, share fairly positive stuff. I mean, I don't have a whole bunch of, of crap to drag up. I don't really go to social media for that. Listen, I would never tell anybody not to have their own opinion. I think people are entitled to their own opinion. Us having a podcast, that's really what our opinion is about. We share our opinions on the podcast all the time. We have a lot of podcaster friends that have their own shows and have their own opinions. But what drives me crazy is when people take to social media to give their, and you can't see it, but I got these huge air quotes going on right now, their opinions on social media. Listen, I like people. I like a lot of my friends, a lot of the listeners, a lot of our podcasting friends and family out there. (sighs) I don't know that I need to go to social media and keep seeing all this negativity stuff. And what I mean by that, a picture of Vince Neil and, you know, 
fat Vince Neal, right? Everybody posts pictures of, of Vince Neal not looking uh, like the uh, Vince Neal of 1983 or 84 or whatever, you know? So they're posting these pictures and everybody piles in and gives their opinions or their thoughts or just basically makes jokes, right? Same thing with videos. Nowadays, anytime any performer performs pretty crappily, which happens often, people capture it on their video phones and post it. Very rarely do you see something that's really outstanding and really good and people post that and everybody goes, oh, that's amazing. You don't see that a whole lot, right? You never hear about the good stuff. You mainly hear about the crap. <laughs> and so I, I basically said when people... When David Lee Roth did that uh, Vegas show, the very next morning, people were posting things and piling in and stating. I mean, and this this isn't one person, two people. This is a ton of different people. It was coming from all directions. And I was like, yeah, at one point, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I, I, thanks for letting me know that this video is awful. <laughs> you know, it's not that I disagree with it, but I don't know that I need to see it. And when people say something, you know, I think the difference is on social media, it just keeps living. So it's not, it's not like having a conversation with somebody in a bar and goes, hey, did you see this video? Yeah, it was awful. And that's kind of the end of it. When it's on social media, it, it ends up living for days, if not weeks. And so it keeps repeating itself and it just keeps piling on and it drives me nuts. So don't post a video or picture and go to town on how awful it is and how other people are made to feel like idiots if they accept this. I got ear quotes again, accept this and pay to see it. You and I both know that it doesn't sound exactly the same way in person as it sounds on a video. Videos tend to capture every last little wart. When you're there and it's live and it's loud, you don't catch all that stuff usually. You catch some of it maybe, you know, it just depends on what it is, I guess. I don't catch it all. So if I want to go out and you know, meet up with friends and have a nice night out and enjoy some music, uh, whether it's of perfect quality or not. If I don't pay a whole bunch for it, I'm happy with it. You're never going to catch me paying $200 for a concert ticket or even really $100 for a concert ticket. A, I can't afford it. B, I'm just cheap, too cheap to buy it. Uh, so that's not something that's going to happen. But if I pay, you know, 30, 40 bucks a ticket, fees and all, and can go out for the night and enjoy a night out with my wife uh, and listen to some rock and roll for, for 80 bucks, then I'm more than willing to do that. And that's exactly what I'm doing for Kiss and David Lee Roth. I've said that, right? That's the first thing that I think is the deal. Now, I got in a little bit of a conversation with my friend over there at Cobras and Fire, Baco. And Baco and I are friends, and we can have friendly conversations. It's all good, other than the fact that every time Baco imitates me, he makes me sound like a country bumpkin, which, come on, I'm not that big of a hick, am I? <laughs> if I say, hey, it's down the road a piece, that's a pretty good way. We're talking probably five miles or more. Now, if I say over yonder, that's probably not far. It's like within the same small rural area. we got weather terms. 
It's raining like pouring piss out of a boot. It's raining like cow pissing on a flat rock. It's coming a toad choker out there. It's a lot of damn rain. Around here, we like to drink beer. Sometimes we get three sheets to the wind. That means drunk. Your daddy's three sheets to the wind and he's passed out in the car. He's gonna freeze to death out there. It's 20 degrees. You need to go get your uncle help get him in the house. And my personal favorite, it's not what we say in the South, it's what I say. Light it up! This is Alabama Boss for Redneck Vocabulary. I know I look, uh, I know I look Baco, you do a great job, buddy. You okay. do a great job. Okay. That's not how I hear myself. I live south, but Jesus, I didn't think I sounded like um, you know, I, I would put up the two I would put up two different uh uh imitations of myself and uh I think one is is much worse than the other. But anyway, it's all good. So Baco and I we can we can exchange thoughts and, and uh it's all good. It's no problem. But I made a comment that, you know, if video cameras were everywhere back in the late 70s and 80s, how many of those bands that we thought were gods would we feel the same way about? And Baco, to his point, he he made a comment, said, hey, we've seen videos from bands back in the late 70s and 80s. They sounded great. You're absolutely right. But uh, was there a video camera shoved in a performer's face every show at every moment? No, it was here and there. You you might have captured a good show, whatever, you know, so people don't have that much footage like they do now. Now they have so much footage, it's ridiculous. And so people very rarely post that stuff, right? It's all the new stuff that you see. So, you know. I just, I don't need all the negativity. I, I enjoy music. I, I seek out music because it makes me happy. And uh, so that's that's what I want to do. I'm just saying there's enough negativity in the world. Our lives are enough stressfulness. Let's be positive for a while. Let's enjoy the good things about music. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, it's fair. Uh, what I do is I'm on Facebook every once in a while or Twitter or whatever. Twitter seems to be, there's so much in the feed, you don't catch it all. But Facebook seems to be the place where it lives a little bit better. When I see that people are piling on, I just uh, hide the comment or whatever. You know how you can not get the notification and I just hide it and I don't even deal with it. Now, I'll tell you like David Lee Roth's a perfect example. When I first heard the video, I I shot my best friend's text going, uh, it's a little rough. <laughs> right? But I'm not sure I was ready to go kill somebody on social media. <laughs> I'm not going to say I haven't done that before, but I don't do it on the often just because it's like, you know what? It is what it is. And I will tell you, if there was video cameras and all this social media in the late 80s, early 90s, I, I'd be in jail. Like, <laughs> there, I mean, there, there's no way I would be employed. Like, there, there's shit I did that, thank God, there's no, like, there was witnesses, but there's no video proof. Like I, uh, that would be crazy. And let me let me just say this: I'm not defending. Like I'm really not defending any of these performers. That's not my point here. You know, I listen. Nobody's going to look at that David Lee Roth video and go, "Oh, it sounds great." Nobody, nobody in their right mind is going to do that. That's not that's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make is just, you know, does it need to be posted? You know, go to the show, enjoy the show, or don't go to the show. Uh, you know, that's up to you. V again, vote with your wallet. But just, 
stop with the negativity. I don't think I don't think it does anything for rock and roll as a whole. I would debate the fact that somebody says, well, people that are out there doing it when they can't do it anymore is not good for rock and roll. It's not, you know, it's why don't they just hang it up when they know they can't do it anymore? Why don't they just hang it up? Well, two things. One, you see more and more performers out there every day on the road that back, you know, 20 years ago, were never touring. Why is that? Because they're not selling records anymore. They don't get all the royalty checks that they used to. The only way they can earn an income or keep a steady flow of money coming in is to get out there on the road. And Live Nation puts these packages together, pays them money, and so now they have merchandise sales. They have uh, ticket sales, and that's that's how they keep a steady flow of money coming in. Some people argue, well, do they need the money? Really? What's enough money? You know, do you live in their shoes? I don't know what, what enough money is. I don't know how much money they have, so I don't know. And then the other side of it is, you know, some people like that, they just can't, they don't know anything else to do. There's nothing else for them in their life. They have to keep out there and keep busy and keep playing. Uh, so that's what it is. So that's, I think the answer as to why some people don't just hang it up, why some people are out there touring. I mean, there are bands, there are old bands out there that used to hardly ever tour. And now they're out there every year touring bands like, uh, Steely Dan and, uh, Chicago and some of these older, you know, classic rock bands. They used to hardly ever tour. Now they're touring like, uh, crazy people. Yeah, I think when you hear about bands coming back and touring, the primary songwriter doesn't always tour because I think that person might still be making a little bit of money, but everybody else isn't making any money. Well, even those guys, like I, I heard uh, Desmond Child on an interview recently with somebody, I don't know, Eddie Trunk or something, I can't remember, but he was saying that the checks that he gets – and I mean, he, right. He's the songwriter of songwriters. He said the checks that he's uh, getting these days has shrank to, you know, literally nothing. So I think it's even affecting guys like that, unless they've got a bunch of stuff in movies or TV shows or commercials or whatever. I think those still probably pay, but you know, Spotify and things like that and streaming services and with the streaming services, you have less album sales and it is what it is. That's the music landscape these days. So I just think it all kind of plays a part in that. And, you know, I guess I just, I just want to enjoy music for what it is. It is what it is, you know? Yeah. The negativity's hard to stay away from. Yeah. There is some, what are you going to do? And I, I can't, I, I'm not innocent of it. I mean, there's times I get into it and I got to work myself out of it. I'm not hoping to change anybody's thoughts or opinions, and I don't think it's going to change anything. I just needed to get that off my chest and share my point of view with people. Like I said, I'm still, I don't hate anybody. I'm friends with everybody. Uh, and by all means, people are entitled to their opinions. I, I encourage them to have their opinions. I just think for me, the problem is, is that when they opinions go to Facebook, they live for a really long time. Whereas opposed to somebody just sharing an opinion in a conversation or sharing an opinion on their podcast, 
it plays and that's it. You know what I mean? It stops there after that conversation has. It doesn't continue to live. And I think that's my issue. I only have one correction to that. You said you're friends with everybody. I would say you're friends with everybody that would allow you to be a friend with. Uh, that's deep. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that right. But if they allow you to be a friend, then you're friendly with them. And yeah, most people I, don't I, allow you to be their friend. So you got no friends. I, I guess, you know, every, everybody knows at this point I've gone and uh, told everybody how much of an introvert I am. It's, it's nice to have some other introverts uh, reach out to me and say, hey, I'm an introvert too. Hey, how are you? You know, I appreciate that more than you know. So thank you to those people that have done that. You know who you are. And it's nice, you know, it's, it's good. It opens up a line of communication and I appreciate that. I value those communications and I value those friendships with those people. So it's all good. Is the old man rant over? Can we get to 1994? Dude, let's let's take it to 1994. The old man rant is over. This is going to be fun. Let's get into it. I, I was born in 1994. I, I was born in 1994. All right, so you already said how old you were in 1994. I never said how old I was in 94. 48. I was not. I was 28. I was a 28-year-old young man living life to its fullest extent, my friend. So there you go. (laughs) All right. One of the things we like to do for our This Ain't No Disco episodes uh, is talk about albums that were released in the year that we are talking about. So one of my first album releases is Cinderella's Still Climbing. Now, when you talk about the Cinderella catalog, nobody really ever talks about Still Climbing. I think a lot of people don't even know this album exists. They know about Heartbreak Station. They know about Long Cold Winter. And of course, they know about uh, the debut album, Night Songs. But when it comes to Still Climbing... Cinderella was having a lot of issues, especially Kiefer at this point in time. Kiefer had all the throat issues in the world when they were recording this record. In fact, I read a couple of interviews with him where he basically said that he had to piece together his vocals to even record this record. So it's amazing, but I think this album has a lot of great material on it. And here's one of those freewheeling. Check it out.
Yeah, the crazy part is if you don't know about still climbing, and if you take that greatest hits out, this is 25% of their catalog, isn't it? Yeah, they don't have a ton of stuff, you know, but I really like this record. I think it's a great record. I might even actually like this better than Heartbreak Station. It's got a lot of good stuff on it, you know, and they had uh, Hot and Bothered, which is on this record, which was in the Wayne's World soundtrack as well, which I think is a cool tune as well. But yeah, it's a good record. And if you don't know about this record, I encourage you to go and check it out because if you're a Cinderella fan at all, you should dig this record. So let's talk about James Christian. So if that name sounds familiar, he is the lead singer of House of Lords. So 94, there was no House of Lords because what was happening was they kind of started in 88. They released a couple of albums. They had a huge hit with Can't Find My Way Home. And they come to their third album, Demons Down, in 92. Christian thinks they're going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. And they're going to be all over the charts. But it's 1992. And, you know, some may believe that grunge killed it, but the record companies were definitely into grunge more than they were everything else. So the record pretty much died on the vine. Jufria leaves, band breaks up. Christian's out there trying to figure out what to do next. He's got the voice, so he goes and starts releasing solo albums. So he released four solo albums. The first of the four was in 1994 called Rude Awakening. Had a bunch of people help him out on the record, including Lanny Cordola, who was in House of Lords, Mike Slamer, who had written a lot with the House of Lords, Mitch Perry, etc. A bunch of people. This album got re-released by Frontiers about 10 years ago, so you can probably find it if you want it. But like I said, it's called Rude Awakening. Check out this song, Don't Start Me Up. Give it to me 
know who James Christian is, never heard this song, never knew anything about this record, but I like this song. And as a lot of your picks go tonight, you're going deep into some of this stuff. And I dig it. I dig everything I've heard. So uh, is the whole record like this? I mean, is it pretty yeah. good? Yeah, I would say all all four of his records solo are House of Lords light, right? So it's, it's, it feels a little bit singer-songwriter in some cases, but there's those House of Lords elements all over it because really nobody else was doing that. And he really is House of Lords now. There, there really isn't anybody but Christian that makes the House of Lords sound. Yeah, they've got uh, Jimmy Bell playing guitar still, right? Yeah, yeah. And they, he's got a good cast of musicians. I'm not taking anything from them, but from the originals, he's the guy. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Huh? They don't do too much, do they? They don't play much, but they've released a few albums over the last uh, couple of years, and they just play in Europe, right? They're just not – House of Lords can't sell a club here. Yeah. They would have to be on the Monsters of Rock cruise. That's the only way they're going to play in the U.S. Yeah, I'm actually surprised I haven't seen them on any of the lineups of, of uh, Mork. It doesn't seem like anyway. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. That that surprises me uh, because you would think that they would be the bang zone of who fits in. Hey, maybe they're the surprise band this year. Yeah. <laughs> One of the well, Jimmy Bell's on the boat. He's playing with autograph now. Never know. Yeah, my vote is uh, with uh, Dead Daisies or um, I like Last in Line. Somebody made that uh, guess, and I think that's a real damn good guess. Yeah, we'll see. By the time this episode comes out, we'll already have the answer. That's right. All right, so let's talk a little bit about TV shows in 1994. What was your bang zone for television in 94? You know, as you know, I watch a ton of TV and, you know, we're talking now I'm 24, 25 years old. Some of the biggest sitcoms ever really uh, were on in 94. Stuff like Home Improvement, Coach, Murphy Brown, Married with Children, Seinfeld was in the middle of its run. Uh, I love all those shows. I love Matlock. I know that doesn't that probably takes my rock card away, but I've always been an Andy Griffith fan, so I've always enjoyed Matlock. There was a show called Hanging with Mr. Cooper. If you remember, he was a, like an ex-basketball player that was also, I think he was either the coach at the at the high school or he was like a teacher at the high school. Um, and that was a pretty good show. So there's a lot of good TV on in 94. What about you? Jesus, Grandpa. You watch Madlock. You watch Murder, She Wrote, too. You always bitch no, about me being old. Come on. No, no murder she wrote. I didn't watch that. But Matlock, <laughs> I, I was always an Andy Griffith fan, so that's what connected me to Matlock. Uh, welcome to the new Springfield Center for Geriatric Medicine. You know, health care for the aging is an important priority. Get to Matlock! Matlock! <laughs> Well, like I said, in 94, I was moving around a lot and on the road a lot. So uh, occasionally I had a night off in a hotel room or occasionally I had a month or two off at home. Uh, so I was definitely watching Seinfeld. I was definitely watching Friends and Frasier uh, because Friends and Frasier were back to back. Well, it was Friends, Seinfeld and Frasier, I think, uh, back to back. X-Files was big in 94. I was definitely an X-Files fan. Ellen DeGeneres had her comedy show when she first started out. 
that was kind of like uh, Roseanne or whatever. And I actually liked uh, the Ellen show, which was uh, just, you know, just a comedy sitcom. And then I think 94 was the first year for MTV's The Real World. Uh, so I was watching The Real World. That was the first. I don't know if it was 94 was the first one or not, but I was watching Real World a little bit in 94. So I can't remember what season of Real World that was, but that was definitely something I spent a little bit of time on. So that's pretty much it for me and TV. All right, I want to get back into some music. So this is definitely not a deep track, uh, but, you know, our friends, the Black Crows, are going out on tour again uh, this summer. They've reunited the two brothers, and I like the first three Black Crows records quite a bit. I like some of the stuff afterwards, but those first three Black Crows records uh, were good. I know some people didn't like Amorica. They released Amorica in 1994, November of 94, so towards the end of the year. And uh, the first single that they released, I absolutely loved. So check out Conspiracy from Amorica, The Black Crows.
Alright, let me start by apologizing to Huddy about what I'm about to say. I really, really liked the first Black Crows album. After that, each album that went on, I kind of liked it less and less. That's just honest. Now, that being said, since they're playing the first album front to back, I would go see the brothers if I had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But uh, am I a total Black Crows discography fan? Uh, that would be a no. Well, I, I think neither you nor I are in the league with uh, our friend over at Digital Killed the Radio, Huddy. I mean, Huddy, for God's sakes, Huddy started his own podcast, The State of America, on the Black Crows. That's how big of a fan he is. So, David Hudson, go check out his show, State of America, if you're a Black Crows fan. I like the Black Crows, not to his level, but I do like them. And I love Conspiracy. I think it's a great tune. So there you go. What you got for us? Okay, so David Lee Roth's getting a lot of play on this episode. But, uh, you know, 1994, he released his fourth solo album, Your Filthy Little Mouth. Now, the problem here is, I think by 94, Van Halen fans and everybody who is into Roth is honestly really clamoring for a classic Van Halen album. And the, you know, the Van Hagar version of Van Halen isn't doing classic Van Halen. DLR had really gotten away from it, those three records that he released. So everybody was kind of hoping that he would maybe go back. And man, he went even further away from it. There's jazz fusion on this record. There's dance on this record. There's big band on this record. There's R&B. Hell, he had Travis Tritt do a co-lead on one of the songs. And... The album just did not do well. And I think even Van Halen fans at this point just gave up on Van Halen, classic Van Halen ever happening again, which it happened a little bit on the last release that Van Halen technically ever released in what was that, 2012 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's some good songs on this album. So take a listen to this one. Everybody's got the monkey. Spell. The monkey be God and make you beg on 
right. So this is an album that I basically missed. And I had to go back and spend a little bit of time with it. And when I spent a little bit of time with it, I realized exactly why I missed it. Not a good David Lee Roth album at all. I liked a little Ain't Enough. I just did not dig this record at all. Although, that being said, Everybody's Got the Monkey is probably one of the better tunes off this record. And I don't know that that's... I didn't say it's a great song. I just think it's probably one of the better tunes off this record. That's just not... It's not one of my favorite records of his. It's probably my least favorite record of his, truthfully. But... It is what it is. You know, he got back to basics when he got John 5 and they put out that DLR band uh, CD, which I thought that CD was really good. So it's all good. Love, Dave. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Okay, so the grown-ups of the week. Here's the folks that shared us on Facebook and retweeted us on Twitter. The grown-ups of the week are Carrie Morgan, Dan Nation, Jason Kearney, Steve Vargo, Zandon Black, Chris James A., Huddy, Curtis Shaver, Sean Reese, Keith Rochford, Tammy N., Jeff Reed, Rodney Dixon, Jason Alexander, Gusa, Alan Tate, Potter Than Hell, Ivan Gailsick, Alan Deshaun, David Cathy, Jason Bluski, Daryl Albert, The Hook Rocks, Kevin Williams, Stephanie Temples, Zeus, Curtis Lankos, Trace Mess 469, Brad Rustoven, Stop Being Special, Todd Herrig, I Love It Loudcast, Shout It Out Loudcast, Peter Cicery, Ogata, Brian Harris, Stanley Lives For You, Grayson Gallegos, Rick Frio, Ages of Rock Podcast, Cobras and Fire Podcast, Save Rock and Metal, Tommy Gelati, Bill Elam, Eladio, and Steve Wright. Want to thank Restrain for all the bumper music and want to wish our buddy Tony Masalam happy 50th birthday. Happy birthday joins the 50 Club with the rest of us. Welcome to the club. We're going to have to give him a wedgie on the ship. <laughs> Okay, so let's share some data of how Billboard was going in 1994. It's a very interesting top 10 songs of 1994 because um, there's not a whole bunch of rock on it. And there's a three-peat in the top 10, believe it or not. So 10th best song you know, from Billboard, whatever that means is Don't Turn Around by Ace of Bass, which, by the way, Jeff Scott Soto has done a, a version of that on Eyes, which was amazing. All That She Wants, Ace of Bass, All for Love, that was that Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, Sting song was number eight. Breathe Again by Tony Braxton, She's Hot, no matter what anybody says. Number six, Stay, I Missed You by Lisa Loeb and the Nine Stories. I don't remember that song. Uh, five, Hero by Mariah Carey. Four, The Power of Love by Celine Dion. Three, I'll Make Love to You by Boyz II Men. Two, I Swear by All for One. And number one song in 1994 was The Sign by Ace of Base. <sighs> Not a lot of rock on that, huh? Nope. Most of the rock that was happening was stuff like, um, 
Well, the top albums for 1994, right? Stone Temple Pilots, Purple, Three Weeks at Number One, uh, Boys to Men, Four Weeks at Number One, Pink Floyd's Division Bell, Four Weeks at Number One, Mariah Carey Music Box, Seven Weeks at Number One, and yours and mine favorite, along with Walt Disney, The Lion King Soundtrack, Nine Weeks at Number One. Now, that is just kick-ass rock and roll right there. Yeah, and you would think that Ace of Bases album would be number one for 10, 12, 18 weeks since they had three top 10 hits, but I guess it didn't make it there. But uh, just some other facts on music for that year. Allison Chains released that EP, Jar of Flies. It was the first EP ever to debut at number one on the Billboard 200. All these albums from rock went number one Soundgarden, super unknown went number one in march pantera far beyond driven went number one in april nirvana's unplugged went number one in november pearl jam vitology went number one in december eagles hell freezes over was number one for two separate weeks in november and december get this aerosmith became the first major band to premiere a new song on the internet and had 10,000 subscribers download a free track. Today, 10,000 wouldn't even get you in the top 1 million probably. Mm -mm. And it took eight days to get that 10,000. That's because, remember the hee-haw, hee-haw. That's because it took three days to, yeah, it took three days to download a song. That's why it took so long, so. You know, rock, it wasn't dead yet. You know, it, was, it never completely died, but grunge was taken over. There's no doubt about it. The record companies allowed it to happen. You know, you've heard me say it before. I stuck with Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, because they still sounded like the rock that I liked, and I kind of stayed away from the Nirvana and some of those other guys that seemed like it was depressing music. Yeah, and no doubt. All right, you ready to play a little bit more music? Let's go for it. All right. So in 1994, King's X released Dogman. I spent probably a month and a half on the road with a little band called Mother's Day Out opening for King's X in, I want to say, somewhere around June of 94, supporting the Dogman record. I love this record. I think it's one of their best records. They were great every night. Really enjoyed it. Check out Fool You from the Dogman record. As I wondered, walked along on a lazy path. I shook a hand. He seemed to know so much more.
another friend As time went on We were friends of a different time But something there Always tearing apart Standing tall I know I take a lot of shots at King's X. That song's pretty good. I still don't want to see them live. I, maybe I should just I should just listen to them on album and just not see them live. Maybe that's where I should get stuck. I've said it once. I'll say it again. There's a reason King's X wasn't this huge band because they're definitely an acquired taste, and a lot of people just don't get it. Musicians seem to get it. The average listener just doesn't seem to get it and some do and some don't but it is what it is they have a lot of music that i like i don't think they were particularly great on the last monsters of rock cruise i don't know that i'll see them this one it just depends on what you know who they're playing up against but i like king's x and i love the dogman record i think it's a solid record and if you're not a king's x fan that's definitely a great record to start with because they got a lot of records 
but Fool You is just a great tune. Um, so there you go. And I enjoyed my time on the road with them. Uh, it was a, uh, they were good guys. So there you go. So next let's talk about a band nobody's ever heard of. And it's a band called Jaded Heart. Now I will stop there and tell you this. We are not talking about the Jaded Heart in San Francisco, California, because that band nobody's ever heard of and did way less than this Jaded Heart band. This Jaded Heart band is from Sweden and Germany, and they've been around since 1992. They have 14 albums. Today, the only original left is the bass player, Mike Muller. Originally, they started with Mike Muller, Axel Cruz on drums, and Dirk and Michael Borman on guitar and vocals. Today, they got a new singer. His name is Johan Falberg. He's awesome, too. The music is very much like Goddard. And now, remember we were saying Godhard, Goddard. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's, yeah. Somebody sent me something saying it's Goddard. Yeah, I okay. saw that. Yeah, I so I it. guess it's Goddard. Yeah. Um, but they're not so much great white. Like they're a little, little heavier if you listen to this, some of this stuff. I have probably nine out of the 14 albums. I don't remember how I got turned on to them, to be honest with you. But they got some really great stuff. And I, like I said... Nobody knows these guys. So take a listen to this song. It's called Take Me Back. Fight 
So if the rest of the record is like this, that's right down my alley. I love this song. Is the rest of the record like this? Mm, 75%, yep. Yeah, I dig this song. Yeah, it is It is a lot like Goddard. I dig it. How about movies for 94, dude? What's your favorite movies of 94? Oh, my God. So when I started researching 94, I realized some of my favorite movies of all time were released in 94. I couldn't believe it. So ones I liked, Low Down Dirty Shame, which was this you know, basically stupid, funny movie with Keenan Ivory Wayans, but it's a, it's a fun movie. Uh, Beverly Hills cop three, who doesn't like the Beverly Hills cop movies speed. That was a great movie. The cowboy way. Remember, um, the two cowboys that come to New York cause they had somebody die. Kiefer Sutherland. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Woody Harrelson. But four of my all time favorite movies were released in this year. The mask with Jim Carrey, Maverick with Mel Gibson, the ref, with Dennis Leary, if you've never seen that movie, you will laugh your ass off. And the paper with Michael Keaton. And uh, there's this line in the paper that I have used very, very much, very many times in my head and have never said it out loud but wanted to. You are so fucking fired. <laughs> was the line. That's what I'm thinking when I'm letting somebody go, but I can't say it because there's an HR department. <laughs> um, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, how about you? Uh, well, Beverly Hills Cop 3, I really liked the first two Beverly Hills, but the Beverly Hills Cop 3, I didn't think was all that great. I didn't love it, but the first two are awesome. Mask, I loved for sure. Uh, some other movies that got released in 94 that I really enjoyed was Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, the first one with Jim Carrey. So freaking funny, that first one. Second one was humorous too, but that first one was classic. The Crow with Brandon Lee, who uh, died on that movie set. Uh, I thought that was a great movie. Uh, Forrest Gump. Come on. Who doesn't like Forrest Gump? What a great movie that was. True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Great movie. Shawshank Redemption. Fantastic movie. Pulp Fiction got released in 94. That was an awesome movie. Stargate with uh, Kurt Russell, the original Stargate. I thought that was a good movie. And uh, Dumb and Dumber also got released, um, which it kind of surprises me that Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura was the same year, but that's what it says. So Dumb and Dumber was a great movie as well. Those were some of the movies that I loved from 94. Well, the top 10 grossing movies of 94, we've mentioned a couple, but I'll share them with you. Number 10 was Clear and Present Danger. Uh, worldwide gross was $216 million. Interview with a Vampire, which I thought was stupid, is at number nine with $224 million. Four Weddings and a Funeral was number eight at $246 million. Dumb and Dumber did $247 million. I don't know who made that $247 million, but damn. that I liked the movie. I thought it was fun, but damn. The Flintstones with the hot Halle Berry. Oh, my God. At $342 million. Speed did $350 million. The Mask made $352 million. True Lies made $379 million. Then it jumps. Forrest Gump did $678 million, and The Lion King did $763 million. It's probably still making money. Damn. 
That's crazy money. <laughs> That's some great movies, though. I mean, that was a great movie year. I didn't realize. Brother Spare Dom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. All right, let's get back into the music. All right, so told you that I think in June, somewhere around June or so, I spent a month on the road supporting King's X. For three months out of the year in 94, I spent in Europe. And I was digging through some of my stuff, which I thought was kind of fun. And I found some old tour itinerary books. One of them is supporting the Rollins Band in Europe, July 94, it says. So in July 94, I was in Copenhagen, the Roskell Festival, traveled to Berlin, played a place that I can't pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> Amsterdam, Rotterdam, something called the Lummens Festival, the Door Festival, and then ended on July 31st, or I'm sorry, July 11th in Paris. So that was uh, part of my European schedule uh, with Mother's Day Out supporting um, Rollins. And then in April and May, I spent more time in Europe and where did we play in April and May? Let's see. We played uh, Luxor. We played London and Paris, Cologne and Hamburg, Germany. Those are some of the dates that we were there. And we supported a band. Why this is important to 94? Because we supported a band in Europe for almost a good month that didn't even have a record contract here in the United States. But in Europe, they were able to sell 5,000 seat like college campuses and things like that. So they had some charting success in the UK. It's a band called Terror Vision. And they released an album called How to Make Friends and Influence People. And that was kind of a breakthrough album for them at the time. And so they were supporting that album. They were doing really well. And the shows were great. Uh, good, good amount of people each night. And here's the first single off that record, which is an interesting song. But it's to me, it's catchy as hell. Check out Terror Vision and Oblivion.
I'd never heard this song till today. Don't even know who the hell Terrorvision is. It was an easy listen, though. I, I got to be honest. It was an easy listen because I, I listened to some new stuff today that was complete shit. And then afterwards, listened to this, which was uh, pretty good. You know, the record is actually pretty good. And they've got some good material. They've got a lot of stuff out at this point because they put out several albums at this point. I think they do pretty well still in the uk i know they did a they broke up for a while and they had a reunion tour after that and they went out on the road and they played this album how to make friends and influence people they had like a 25th anniversary and played it front to back or something like that it's got some good material on it uh they were nice guys i i liked it uh my time doing that tour and uh it was a good time so yeah uh, TerrorVision. Check them out if you get a chance. They're on Spotify. Go check it out. I think you could argue that most of the bands, at least the bands that I love, they had this bang zone between like 83 and probably 90. And we've talked about it before with Taiketo. They were just outside. Like they came right at the tail end. You fast forward these guys four or five years, and I think they have two or three or four even really great loved classic albums and they'd be playing clubs constantly but because they started a little bit later by the time their second album comes out it's called strength in numbers and it lands in 94 and geffen absolutely hates them and you know yeah i guess you could say grunge killed rock and roll or rock and roll killed rock and roll or you know sometimes i say pretty boy floyd killed them you know whatever but reality is geffen was had a blind ear or a deaf ear, I guess. You can't have a blind ear. That sounds like something Stephen would say. Uh, <laughs> after seven ounces of sippy cup, uh, you know, you, they just kind of went deaf to anything that wasn't grunge. And so they hated the album. CMC International picks it up. Danny Vaughn's been interviewed several times, talks about it a lot. Um, and then after this album comes out, Danny's wife has got a serious medical condition. He leaves all the way around. 
But this album got kind of lost in the shuffle, and it's pretty good. It's called Strength in Numbers, came out in 94. Here's the title track. Lord, give me strength tonight! like this record and it sounds even better live i think they did something like a front to back of this record or whatever they played some of it uh when i saw them back in 
uh, March, end of March uh, last year. And I'm looking forward to seeing them on the boat. They were one of the surprise bands for me at Rocklanta. So uh, definitely going to try and check out some of their set on the boat as well. So some of the albums that we didn't talk about that got released in 94, and it's hard to say out loud that rock is dead when you hear about all these albums that got released in 94. So ZZ Top with Antenna. Uh, Black Sabbath with Cross Purposes, Nine Inch Nails with a Downward Spiral, Motley Crue self-titled with Karabi doing lead vocals, Ingve released The Seventh Sign, Sammy Hagar released Unboxed, The Pretenders released Last of the Independence, Talisman, which is Jeff Scott Soto's band, released Humanimal and Humanimal 2, Stone Temple Pilots released Purple, Boston released Walk On, Rolling Stones were out there with Voodoo Lounge, Alice Cooper was out there with Last Temptation. Steve Perry had released his next solo album, For the Love of Strange Medicine. Tesla was out there with Bustin' Nuts, Slayer, Divine Intervention, Accept Death Row, Testament Low, Corn, Self-Titled, Page and Plant were out there with No Quarter, Unleaded, Queensryche with Promised Land, The Black Crows with Amorica, like we talked about, Megadeth with Euthanasia, Gilby Clark with Pawn Shop Guitars, Gotthard with Dial Hard, Bruce Dickinson released a solo album called Balls to Picasso, The Cult did Self-Titled, Dio did Strange Ways, Fate's Warning was Inside Out, and then LA Guns did Vicious Circle, and we talked about like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and all those guys. They were releasing albums, but some of these albums are not exactly classic because they really, like Vicious Circle is not that great. Well, a couple things you missed. One thing that came out in 94 that I thought was really good was Pantera released Barbie on Driven. Uh, and that, that ended up at number one, if I recall correctly. Yeah, we talked about it before, remember? See, this is what happens when the eighth ounce of Sippy Cup comes. We already talked about that. We did? When did we talk yes. about that? When I said, here's the albums that went number one. Uh, <laughs> it's eight ounces, by the way, of Sippy Cup. <laughs> I just said it was eight ounces. Now you must be in the second sippy cup. No, I'm still in the first one. God damn it. I love Pantera. <laughs> I'm leaving all this in too. I'm not cutting any of it out. You shouldn't. The other thing that we didn't talk about. So you talked about Bruce Dickinson releasing uh, balls uh, to Picasso. Uh, this is also 94 is when they gave uh, what's his name? The job in Iron Maiden. They gave that to Blaze Bailey in 94. Well, yeah, they had to give it to somebody. They didn't have a singer. Well, no shit. <laughs> Just because he put out a solo record doesn't mean he didn't. He wasn't still singing for Iron Maiden. I think the, the middle finger to Steve Harris on the way out is why he wasn't the lead singer of Iron Maiden anymore. <laughs> All's well that ends well. <laughs> That's right. We, us Maiden fans just act like those a uh, couple years didn't really matter. That's exactly what I do. I'm a huge Maiden fan, and that's exactly what I do. <laughs> they still play a couple of those tunes live, but it's much better when Bruce sings it. <laughs> Word. Word to your mama. All right, well, that's been fun, but you know what time it is. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, 
94 is Kiss's 20th anniversary. And for their 20th anniversary, there was a covers album, tribute album, whatever you want to call it, called Kiss My Ass Classic Kiss Regrooved. You had Lenny Kravitz, Stevie Wonder, Anthrax, Garth Brooks, Gin Blossoms, Extreme, and a hell of a lot of other people. Ace's makeup wasn't used on the cover, which was a, you know, a big to-do because, uh, you know, they couldn't get, get the right Stace's makeup, but they used the other three, blah, 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 blah. Album went to number 19. So this tribute slash covers album went gold and went to number 19. And one of the best songs I would say on the disc is a cover of Plaster Caster by the Lemonheads. Yeah, surprisingly, that song sounds pretty damn good, their version of it. I would never guess that Lemonheads would do a good version of it, but I actually thought it sounded pretty decent. 
Yeah, I think Kiss was trying to go for like pick the artists at the time frame that were hot. I don't know how hot the Lemon Heads and Gin Blossoms. I guess they had a hit, but some of these other guys they used, I I don't know how hot they were. Garth Brooks had a you know he did that song a lot of justice. Hard Luck Woman, and I thought Lenny Kravitz is a great dude. So there's there's some songs on here that uh, people love to hate, but uh, there's some really good songs on here too. Absolutely. You know, something I forgot to share. You ever do something really stupid and you're kind of embarrassed, but then you're like, that was so damn dumb, I have to tell people about it? Uh, Let's see. The first one that comes to my head is I have, and now this was back in the early 90s, so uh, just go with me here. I have locked the car with the keys in the car and the engine running. Twice. I've done it twice. I think other people have done stupid shit like that before, too. You can't really do that anymore, can you? No, no, you can't do that anymore. But this was when, remember when you had to like hit the little knob thingy down to lock the car and then hold the handle up to lock it? Yeah. So the car is running. I hit the thing and held the handle up, locked it, and go, damn, I did it again. <laughs> and then you can't walk away because the car's running. So if somebody break, breaks a window, the car's gone. <laughs> and there's no cell phones <laughs> this is literally like the fucking keystone cop moment at the gym the other day <laughs> so, so i'm at the gym the other day and i work out i get done and i go to a shower and i shower and uh i grab my towel and i start drying off you know i'm still in the stall i dry drying off and everything and I get almost completely dried off and I go to dry off my back and while I'm drying off my back I hit the knob of the shower (laughs) and the shower comes on just a little bit but not enough to like soak me and soak my towel so I quickly turn around and when I quickly turn around I hit the thing even harder and it spurted on and it completely soaked me and my towel after I was completely dried off. I felt like a dumbass. <laughs> and I, then I had to dry off with a bunch of paper towels because I didn't have a dry towel at the gym. It sucked. <laughs> I, I've had so much going on lately. I am walking the store with one of my new store managers. And for whatever reason... I can't find my pen. I I left it in the car, I guess. And (laughs) so I need to write some stuff down and stupid me. You know, I can just take notes on my phone, but I don't like doing that because people think you're like checking texts or something. Right. So I still do the old school write down. Well, I can't find a pen and you know, we don't have pens readily available everywhere. And I don't want to ask my store manager for a pen because that's the only pen he has. And come to find out, I'm like, okay, finally I go to look, can I get a pen? He goes, what's wrong with the one behind your ear? I'm like, really? (laughs) I I walked for an hour. (laughs) Hey, why do people keep sending me friend requests on Facebook and then it says my nude videos are here? (laughs) I don't think they really want to be my friend. I'm just just saying Princess Schneider (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> needs to stop sending me friend request. 
I always make sure I check these things when people send me friend requests. I didn't used to, but I check them a lot now. Princess Schneider wants to be my friend. Then when you scroll down, the first thing you see is my nude videos are here. Delete. (laughs) She's obviously proud of herself. Give her a chance. (laughs) I don't think my wife wants me to give anybody named Princess Schneider a chance. (laughs) Where's King Snyder? That's what I want to know. Shit. This has been fun. Sippy cup and all, rant and all. I'm glad I got that off my chest. It was bugging me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great to hear your old man rant. Um, just want to let the listeners know thanks for all the feedback. Uh, thanks for all the support. And if you got ideas for a show, shoot us an email. Yeah, we're always willing to listen to new ideas. We got a list that's about 14 or 15 miles long, but hey, you might have something that moves up on the list to us because we kind of go by whatever is uh, whatever we're feeling at the time. It just depends on what we're feeling. We got a bunch of ideas, but sometimes we just ain't feeling it. So it's nice to get thoughts and ideas from people on what they want to hear. Got a couple of interview uh, episodes coming up, and by the time you hear this episode, we will be sailing, sailing, sailing on the seven seas for Monsters of Rock Cruise, and when we get back, we'll have a great recap of all the activities that took place on that. Uh, So yeah, it should be fun. Got some good stuff coming up in the next few months, so Once again, we appreciate everybody listening to the episodes, sharing the episodes. If you've got friends that are in hard rock and rock and roll, please tell them about podcasts. Please tell them about our podcast. That's the way we grow the show. Anything else? And uh, if you can help me out, if you don't see an episode from us sometime in mid-February, help. We are in jail and we need bail money. Yeah, most likely we will be in jail. Either that or Steve Wright and BC from the Potter and Health podcast will come back to uh, town with permanent uh, Sharpie magic marker drawn on their cheeks of uh, dick and balls. Courtesy of the Grown Up Rock podcast. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, let's shuffle, shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Catch you later. See ya. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.